Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Daniel Handoff. I am at ADHA SmileCon. There is a lot of activity that you'll see in the back. You'll see the, the exhibitor floor. Today, I have the honor of having Dr. Paul Feuerstein with me live. So thank you so much for being with me. This is a real challenge for me because usually I'm on the other end of this <laughs> and, and I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Isn't this fun? It's it's nice to go outside of our comfort zone. So I told Dr. Forestine that I'm just going to, you know, like you all know with our listeners and our followers, this is just really casual. It's about your story. Why dentistry? Tell us a little bit about you and why dentistry chose you. Well, first of all, everybody seems to think that I only work with technology stuff. I'm sitting in some office somewhere with wires flying all over the place. I'm a GP. I've been practicing. I graduated a long time ago. I, I graduated in 1972, but I'm only 40 years old, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So I've, I've been, no, I've been seeing patients for almost 50 years. It's a general practice. I had the opportunity, we could talk a little bit about it, to, to sell the practice to an associate about probably 10 years ago. And so I became an associate, which is a very, very nice thing as a transition because now I can practice dentistry and I don't have to care about anything about administrative. Very, very different feel to the whole thing. So if I wanted to spend an hour and a half doing an occlusal restoration, so be it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I went to, I, I, my, my, as a kid, I was told, I was telling people that I wanted to be a dentist because my friend's father was a dentist. I didn't even know what he did. I just knew he was a dentist and I liked the guy. So I saw I'll be a dentist too. But as a kid, I was always a mechanical kid. I was doing electronic stuff. I was making little models and playing with toys and making all sorts of things. And uh, it was very creative. And I'm going to hold this little asterisk for a second. And um, so my, my clinical, my hand skills are very, very high. Um, the other part of it is I'm a professional musician. So I'm professionally trained since I was a little kid with the traditional piano lessons. And I had saxophone lessons. And I had woodwind instrument lessons. I play bassoon. Uh, people don't know a lot of this stuff about me. And uh, so it's always been my, my parallel path, but I never thought I was going to be any kind of a great rock star. I had one chance, I'll tell you about. <laughs> and then, uh, so I went, to, I went to an undergrad school, Stony Brook University in New York, and they didn't have a pre-med. So I, I, my, my parents and my friends said, well, become a, just do chemistry, like be a chemistry major. So when you come out of school, if you change your mind, you can do chemistry. So I ended up doing biochemistry, chemistry, physics, math, science. 
I was a kind of a prodigy as a kid. So well, I don't want to make a big story, but I had a very high IQ and I grew up in New York City. And in New York City, and this is a long time ago, there was the space race with Russia. And the city school system targeted smart kids who were good in math and science and tracked us differently than the other kids. So I went to different, I had different classes than everybody else. When I was in high school, I had very few English classes. I had all math, physics, math, physics, things like that. When I went to college, my concentration was all chemistry, biochemistry, physics, math, computer science, programming. They actually had computers in those days. I had to take one course. They made me take one course on philosophy to make my, my so I can get a, a, B, a bachelor's degree in something. But it was a BS degree, not a BS closer. <laughs> it was a, the, the philosophy course was a BS course for me. I didn't even go to class. I, I, I spent one week at the, the end of the year before the final reading all the books at the same time, and I got a D. You got a D. And so I have a, here I have a, a transcript. I'm, I'm applying to dental school with A straight through. I had about a 3.9 Q and this D. <laughs> so when I went to dental school to, to an interview for dental school, I said, do you have my transcript there? I said, do you see that D? Let me explain what happened. <laughs> said, you see all those A's in, in math, science? And <laughs> so it did, it, they, they didn't care. Um, so the problem is I'm not well-rounded. I never had a chance to be in philosophy, English, uh, um, classes like that. The other problem I had, being this child prodigy, is I graduated from college. I was 18 in my senior year. And so I never had a, a, uh, an upbringing, a social upbringing. So I'm just kind of a, kind of a rebellious character. So, so, so when I went to dental school... They can't, this is interesting. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you stories. These are stories that you're going to get a scoop on this stuff. So I go to dental school, and you get this packet, and this is 1968, 69. It says, okay, here's what you have to do. We have requirements. No facial hair. You must have short hair, like no longer than two inches here or there. You have to have sideburns above your ear. And, and if, you, if you saw my pictures from, from Stonenbrook, you'd see I was like, long hair, playing a band, rock and roll bands and everything else like that. So I did it. My parents said, you got to do this. You got to do this. So I showed up the first day of school as was prescribed. And then I said, I'm, I'm not staying with this. I can't deal with it. I just can't deal with this. So I let my hair grow a little longer. My cybers a little longer. And a couple of professors go, hey, Paul, um, <clears throat> have you seen the requirements? I go, yep. And I knew I was going to have a problem because they were going to be picking on me and if I wasn't an A student, they'd throw me out of school. And they tried. So the next thing you know, I have almost a beard. The next thing you know, my hair was longer. And two other people in my class followed with me. We were all like the rebels. And this is the 60s. I mean, and so, so this, I was confronted by this professor. He says, you know, you're not conforming. I said, what does this have to do with my dental skills? He says, it's the rules. And who made those rules? And when were those rules made? And I was like, anyway, I got in big trouble. <laughs> But eventually, they just accepted what I did, and, and then you know this became more acceptable. And this is my this has been my look for forever, basically, except for COVID. I had a trim over here because of my uh, N95 mask. Got to get in. <laughs> but other than that, um, so it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun in in dental school being this rebellious character. But because I was this rebellious guy, I had a, I had to really be top of the line. 
So I wasn't one. I, I wasn't number one in my class. I was so disappointed. <laughs> there was there were two people in my class that had like uh, photographic memories and stuff. I said, "Oh man." <laughs> so why dentistry though? Because you had the because you had the, the the fine motor skills. Because you knew that you wanted to do something. So yeah. what was that reason? I don't I, I don't really know because I really didn't understand what dentistry was until I was in dental school, and I enjoyed it. So here's the part, the hard part. In my second, in my junior year of dental school, you go to clinic. You have a lot of spare time. And I was also in a rock band, a very, very good rock band. And wouldn't you know, we got, we, we did auditions in New York. I was in school in New Jersey. We were auditioning in Manhattan. We got picked up by Decca Records while I was in dental school. I went, wow. So I'm going to meet. So I'm in clinic. And then I go, at night, I go to downtown playing, playing music. So we had meetings at, at, with Decca Records. And we sat down with the executives there. And they, it was four of us. And they said, we would like to sign you to a small contract. We want you to do this particular song. We're going to bring you in the recording studio. You're going to do this record. It's called a 45, as you see in my tie. <laughs> Flip it up. You know, we had an A side and a B side and all this other stuff. And I thought, all right, this is cool. And then they said, after we recorded, you're going on tour. I went, uh, like where? In Br the Bronx, maybe? Uh, no, you're going across country to go to Minnesota, you're going to Minneapolis, you're going to you know, San Francisco, you're going to Las Vegas. I go, to, not to just me. Uh, uh, well, I'm in dental school. Ah, just take a year off. And I thought, should I take this year off? <laughs> That's hard. That's a <laughs> but then I also knew this is the culture that the, the few, I'll just, I'll just say it was the 60s culture. I don't know if I would have lived that year <laughs> through all the things that were going on. And I sure wasn't going to go back to dental school, even if I said I was going back to dental school. And, and my parents sat me down hard and said, you're a flash in the pan. You may be a rock star. You may not be a rock star. You don't know what's going to happen. You will have no career if this thing falls apart. And they scared the crap out of me in simple English. And then I have an aunt who's a, who's a very who's a professional uh, keyboard player, uh, uh, piano player. She's a professional. She teaches classical music at Juilliard and places like that. And I said, she said, you can't do it. You can't do it. Music should not be your career. You have to be finished dental school. So we had this big meeting. The four of us had to go with, with an executive decker to sign the contract. I was preparing. I was, my mouth was stopped. I was preparing the speech to say, I'm not going to do it. And just before I said anything, the singer, this woman that was a singer, young girl who was a singer, said, I'm not doing this. I go, what's the matter? Her name is Hallie. Hallie Hammer. You can look her up. She's still doing this. And she's out in San Francisco, out in California, San Francisco. And she said, I don't like this contract. It's too restrictive. You're making us do this and do that. And you do that. I'm not signing. I said, yeah, me neither. <laughs> so someone else go first. I wasn't the bad guy. <laughs> and they were, they were, they were disturbed. Um, so I still continued the career and, and finished dental school. And then when I got out of dental school, I played in some bands at local bars and I, I, dressed down and look at me i mean i don't have to do much to dress down. <laughs> and every so i'll be playing some bar somewhere and I, and it, these were bad bars and a patient would look up and, and they and they go huh? they stare up so someone they come over to me and go aren't you I said, no that's my that's my twin brother <laughs> so that was, that was that was my my dental course of career so let me, so forget about the other stuff that i've been doing so as a dentist I was a tinkerer. We got a new chair. I took it apart to see how it worked. Every, every, all the equipment that came in, I wanted to know how it worked, what it did. 
the other thing I had was a very unique, you know, not to say very unique, it's not, a, it's not proper English. I had a unique skill, computer science. This is in the 70s. There was no Bill Gates. There was no nothing like that. And computers were starting to come into dentistry. And these computers were like the size of your refrigerator. And they cost, they cost $25,000. And they, did, they printed out bills. That's all they did. And you, could do, you couldn't even do appointments or anything. But as it was evolving in the dental industry, some companies came up and they were developing products. And through a complicated story, they found me. And they'd say, hey, you can speak dentist and you can speak computer. So what does three mod mean? Huh? Yeah, it says three M-O-D. Oh, three, oh, three mod. Oh, I get it. So I had to explain to them teeth numbers, and we, and we ended up writing programs in a language called BASIC, and I actually had a, a thing called the Radio Shack computer, I wrote a, I wrote, which I still have in my attic. I wrote a program for, for dentistry there, and then I became sort of a consultant to the dental, to the dental computer people. And, and then it just evolved. So then all of a sudden, like the ADA, as a matter of fact, and wow, a long time ago, said, hey, can you t- explain t- computers to the dentists? So what I would do is I'd go to take one of my old computers, and, and for those of you who remember computers, how about a 286 or a 3D6 computer? You'll know what that, the people will know what that means. I'd bring one to, with me, a broken one, to a dental meeting, and I'd say, so something is called a hard drive, and I'd open up the computer, and I'd say, here it is, and this is called memory, and here it is. And I would just explain how the computers work. For about two years, I was doing this computer course at the ADA meeting and, the, and Chicago meeting and all the other meetings. So I became a lecturer because, partly because of that. Um, in the meantime, something called the internet was starting to happen. Well, it was, I don't even think I don't know what it was called at the time. We had these phone, you dial up this number on your phone, you put your phone on this thing, you had this noise, and there were a bunch of dentists in the country. Who knew how to do this stuff? And so we all got together and we had like these chats, really early chats. And a dentist named David Dodell, who's in Scottsdale, Arizona, was brilliant with this stuff. And he was able to connect us all together. So he created something called the IDF, the Internet, the uh, 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 International Dental Forum, I think it was. IDF? Yeah, that sounds right. And so probably 20 of us became, we met online. <laughs> wow. We met online. Oh man, at least 20 years, at least 20 years. And these were people who I'm still best friends with. There's Marty, Dr. Marty Jablow, Dr. John Flukey, uh, just a, a number of people. And we, we, got this, we got this group together. And as this group, we all of a sudden had a powerful group that we would go to dental meetings and say, we can teach dentists about all this stuff. And the next thing you know, I'm speaking, Marty's speaking, John's speaking, everybody's speaking at the meetings. And we became the technology guys and gal. There were some women too. Um, and so, so all this, so we're doing big workshops at dental meetings all the time. And because of this whole process, thank you, David Dodell, to, to starting this, who I still see periodically, we started becoming the, the all stars in technology. Larry Emmett, I had to, Larry Emmett was early on, a few other people. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm, teaching i'm writing i'm doing all this crazy stuff simultaneously i did have a dental practice <laughs> so just like just like with dental school you had the dental school and you had the rock band so you had that and the practice so i've said to people i traded in my powerpoint my my guitar for a powerpoint clicker you know so i mean uh i have a brother who's who was in the music business and one day at the ada meeting was in las vegas and i'm on stage 
I called him from my phone. And I said, hey, Gary, I'm on stage in Las Vegas, man. <laughs> that is so cool. So, I mean, you, you really were a pioneer in, in many ways. Technology, of course, even before any of that came out, you, you led the way. You, that's sometimes one of the hardest things about being a leader is that you have to pave the, pave the path to make the new set of rules. And, and the, the, the problem I had was I became, I, I, first of all, I looked like this. Which wasn't, and my, I actually cut my hair for this meeting just because I was going to come see you. So this is, I had my hair. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I, so I developed this, this persona and it was sort of like a clown suit in a way. And I became the clown. So, so I become this, this iconic character in dentistry who the, the hippie from the sixties, you know, whatever they want to call it, or, or the doc from the back to the future, you know? Um, so I developed this character, but I can talk, I can, I know the material. I mean, it's not just, it's not just a, a shield. So I can get away with all this stuff. And I also know who I am. And that, I think the key to, to, to what I'm doing here in the industry is I'm just me. I'm nothing special. I happen to be, have a knowledge base. I know I'm a dentist. I know how to do re restorations. I also know a lot about stuff. And so people say, oh, uh, uh, can I talk to you? I go, well, why not? I mean, you know, well, you're the famous Dr. Paul. I go, it's, it's, I'm just Dr. Paul. I'm just Paul. I mean, you know, leave it, leave it alone. So that, that's, been a, that's been a hard thing for me. And, and now, just jumping to today, I'm now the editor-in-chief of Dentistry Today, which was a long haul. And so I'm soliciting, that's a good word, new authors. I'm trying to find people. I, I, I troll Facebook. I troll Instagram. I find people who are posting things. And I find people who are posting beautiful cases. And I contact them. And I go, you know, how would you like to write an article? And they go, me? I'm just some schmo in New Jersey. I go, no, you're a good dentist. You're a clinical dentist. And I don't know how to write an article. I said, well, you don't have to write an article. You have a case. Tell us what happened. The patient came in, they broke their tooth. You did this thing. You did a scan. You did this. You did this. Write the article. And if you can't write it, I can help. And then we have editorial people that help with that. And so I'm finding new faces in dentistry. And my my real goal right now is to really bring in new faces in dentistry and very diverse faces in dentistry. And I'm sitting here with you, and I'll say this specifically, I want more women in my magazine. In dentistry right now, it's dental school is over 50% female. And, and, and right now, there's a giant push right now with women dentists trying to make their mark. And I, and I sit here. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I sit here and say, what, what do you mean you're, you're trying to make a statement? And I've talked to so many women dentists who come to a trade show just like this, and they'll walk up to a booth, and if there's some guy standing next to them who's a CPA, the people at the booth will talk to the guy. It's, and I said, that can't be happening. And every woman I've spoken to said, I, I mean, a friend of mine is a board-certified prosthodontist, and she's standing at a booth and talking to some guy next to her, and she wants to buy, like, you know, some major piece of equipment. She goes, hey, you know what? Screw you. I'm going someplace else. You know? And, and I never realized that this bias exists. And, the, and, and they'll say to a, a woman, says, so who do you work for? This, I don't work for anybody. I have six dental offices that I own, you know? So it, it's just a new passion of mine right now. We're going to work with this. And this, this, this I've run into interesting groups. There's a group called the Mommy Dentists. Uh, and I've spoken to all the people in that group. And so I'm trying to make my mark with at least using my little forum with the magazine to open this big story up to everybody and then we also you know there's also 
I just met yesterday with someone from the Hispanic Dental Association. I said, what, what's that? Is it, it, it turns out there's about, I think about four or 5% of dentists are Hispanic. And again, a woman Hispanic dentist, she says, oh yeah, you, you should see the pressure I'm under. And this woman has an office in uh, California I spoke to yesterday. Her name is Dr. Uh, Juzzi. And she has like six dentists working for every specialty. And she's, she, so she has to push harder and become that much better than everybody else. So, so there's, there's a lot of things going like that in dentistry, which I've, been, I've found. Now, this is, I'm on a wild tangent here. I'm so no, sorry. but what you're describing is, is a sense of leadership. I mean, because it's people who are learning how to break the mold. And it's just like with women, just like with the Hispanic Association. I mean, you, did, you did a similar, you did something similar where you broke a mold, the stigma, a bias around a certain type of individual. So it sounds like that's my dental school days, as you said, yeah. I mean, there's even an LGBTQ dental group now, too. I mean, it's, and, and I said, I don't know this, I, and for me, I mean, I, I, grew up in, I grew up in New York City, and I live in Boston area, and to me, it's like, I mean, you're just a dentist. You're not, you're not a, this kind of a dentist. You're a dentist. You're a clinician. It just bothers me that, 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 that there's such a, there are biases all over, that, but that's the world, that's the little world we live in. So, you know, that's, that's my child. I'm still the child of the 60s. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing that you've taken, you've acknowledged that it is something because you have to first stand back and say, this is a true issue. How can I, and what can I do to support that and move this forward? So it peels back the layers of the onion so other people can truly see what's there. It's just like any other social movement that you have that you, I'm sure you experienced. I was I was up there with in protest marks in downtown protest marches in downtown Newark, New Jersey. We, oh my gosh! When I was in dental school, we were in New Jersey and in Manhattan, which was not very far from where I was. There was NYU Dental School and Columbia Dental School, and we used to go shoot back and forth and and organize have organized uh, um, uh, protest marches and all sorts of stuff. You know, I was I I, I was never arrested. I feel bad. I wish I was arrested. <laughs> it would be. I'd like to have that on my resume. <laughs> we can probably work that out this weekend. I mean, it depends. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> but you know, it's it's. I've I just I've I've always just tried to break break out of things and 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 break that mold, as you said, and and so uh, you know that's been my my passion. And then people keep forgetting I'm a GP. I'm a, I have right now. I have probably. Six or seven hundred active patients. I've cut myself down to about three days a week, and I'm working hard as anything. But it's it's fine. I mean, and and also being on the on the lecture circuit for that or the lectern, I can't just say I heard about this new product. I have to say I heard about this new product, and here's how I used it last Thursday. And he was Janine, and he was Jim, and he was whoever it was. So so that's also very important. So for me. It's um, I, I have the opportunity because of what I do to get things before anybody else does. I can try these things out and use them and show them. And it's like, I'm like a big shot, you know. I got this new stuff to show you, this new machine to show you, and all these things like that. So that's been a lot of fun, too. And my patients come in, they, they sit in the chair, and they go, they look around. Okay, what, what, do you got, what, do you got, what are you trying today? <laughs> and they love it. They love it. And we're not experimenting. At, 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 at one point, I did, did some experimental stuff that we were doing. but. Um, you know, the patients knew about it ahead of time. These are all proven, proven products, but that you're getting the latest. Now, I've had some failures, uh, as, as dentistry does. There were certain products that came out, especially some laboratory products way back that we did some crowns of the material and all the crowns broke. 
<laughs> it's like, oh boy. <laughs> but the patients, the patients really didn't care. They said, well, you know, we know you were doing some cool new thing. And so that was okay. Yeah. So, so, and, and, you know, and so people say to me, you know, you've been doing this for almost 50 years. What are you doing? I mean, what are you, you doing? You're practicing three days a week. You're running the magazine seven days a week. You're off lecturing tw once or twice a month. Um, I do have a wife. I do have kids. They don't live with me right now. They're old and, and done. But I don't know. I, I, I when, when COVID hit, we were locked down for a couple of months. I hated sitting in my house. I needed a personal interaction with people. I mean, it was just it was just horrible. So I just keep pushing away. And unless unless I can't physically do it, or like I said to my patients, they said, "When are you going to quit?" Go, when I lose my enthusiasm. When I lose my enthusiasm, I'm done. And on, on Facebook, I see posts every once in a while. When are you going to retire? At 62, at 63, 65. Some, some people like me say, never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, it's, it's a passion. The whole thing's a passion. So what advice would you give someone? So you've mentioned some people that you said, do you want to be in our magazine? Do you want to write an article? What would you say to that dentist, that individual, to encourage them to say, you know, you do have something worthwhile to contribute to the profession? How would you reach out to them? What would they? How? What would they need to understand to rethink who who they are and what they're contributing to the profession? Well, for starters, a lot of the people I see, like I see cases that are posted, are fabulous cases, and I'll talk to the clinician, and they'll go, "That's just what I do every day." I go, "Well, you don't understand. That's better than the average dentist." So I think every dentist thinks they're the best dentist. There's no question. I mean, you know, and and we all know this that you you we we see work from all the other practitioners on our patients and we go oh man who did that first of all you never know why what was going on in the first place but that that's a big deal so i think if if someone I, I, there's, there's no barriers to anybody becoming a lecturer a key opinion leader if you have a passion for doing a certain type of process um you know post your cases local post your cases on facebook instagram things like that see if you get responses and you'll see you know, some, you know, as people are very honest to say, wow, what a piece of crap that is, you know, and then you get people who say that was unbelievable. So I, I see that. And, and so I think uh, I think social media is going to be is a good entree for somebody to sort of test the waters. And, and if you think you did something wonderful, show it out. And, you know, I mean, Facebook may not be the right forum, but some forum like that. Um, and, and if it's and I, I look at those things, I mean, I don't see every obviously can't see everything. But plenty of people looking at those things, and some of the manufacturers looking. So I've no, for example, one of the manufacturers here found a dentist in Australia that was posting some cases on Instagram, and then comes and whoa, whoa, look at this stuff. Got in touch with this person. So, so you never know. You never know. So I don't think there's any rules, uh, but anybody can do it. Anybody can do it, and people just appear out of nowhere, on, and you go, wow, you know, how come they're there? Sometimes they get sponsorship from a manufacturer. Uh, or they they do local study clubs. That was, I mean, I guess, I guess, I, I back. I'm boy, I'm wild here. I had to do. You had to pay your dues. So I did a lot of free lectures at study, local study clubs in Massachusetts. I had different little study clubs. I say, I'll I'll come. You know, you do like a have a dinner meeting. You have a one hour lectures. Hey, I'll do a lecture. And if you bomb, you bomb. And if you don't bomb, they go, Hey, that was pretty good. Why don't you do another one next week at this other place? So, uh, yeah, you have to test the waters. That's really all. You have to do it. You yeah, have oh, yeah, even yeah. you have to you have to do it to go through it. So I have to tell you about stage fright, which is funny. So as a musician, I never had it. 
I mean, I just go on stage. I'm on stage. There's 10 people or 400 people or whatever it is. So I was doing a lecture at the Connecticut State Dental. I'll never forget this. The Connecticut State Dental Association. It had to be 800 dentists in this room. It was a gigantic room. And they also had exhibitors in the room. And a new implant uh, thing came out. It was called, um, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was a new, some sort of a new implant thing. And so I'm explaining about, I said, oh, and, and in the last couple of weeks, this new implant thing just came out. And I don't know much about it, but the rep over there, she must know everything. So I said, come on up here for a second. So this poor young woman comes up standing next to me. And I said, so, oh, it's called ENCODE. E-N-C, every, the dentist knows what this is, ENCODE, E-N-C. And so I had never seen it before. I said, could you explain this to the room? And she goes like this. <laughs> 800 people in front of me. I went, oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Talk about on the spot. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, it, you, you have to, yeah, you have to learn how to, how to, you have to learn tricks of how to look at an audience and things like that. And there's all sorts of people that have tricks. I used to, <laughs> I used to rehearse in my living room. I had Beanie Babies sitting on my couch. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I would talk to the Beanie Babies. That was my audience. So, and, and you have to rehearse. You really have to rehearse. You can't just wing it. You can't just say, I have this PowerPoint slide and just show up and do it. So, especially in, in the music business, what we used to do was before we went on stage, you're kind of nervous no matter what. So, we'd take our first song and practice and practice and practice the first two minutes so we could close our eyes and just play the thing without even thinking about it. And you, you can be, so you can be doing this and looking around. So, in, in the lecture, take your first couple of one or two slides or pieces of information and just rehearse the heck out of it. And you just start with that. And as you're talking, you can, it's automatic. You're looking around the room and you go, and now, so I found that to be a great, great. That's, that's, great. that's great advice because your opening yeah. is almost the, it's more important almost than the rest of the lecture. It, it engages be, people. But it doesn't have to be a good opening. It has to be just an opening that you can do like blindly. So you're not, so you're not nervous about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great advice because you're, it's on automatic pilot. And yeah, if you can, great. yeah, if you can just do it and it's set it and forget it, then all the nerves calm down after about minute two, minute three. Yep, yep. But it's good for you too to have those nerves because I think it makes you, your brain focus in on what you're doing. You're aware of what your body is doing, what you're saying. You can articulate your words. That's great advice. Well, Dr. Paul, it has been yeah. such a pleasure listening to I your story. It's okay. So that's what I told you. It's all just going to make sense. But what you're describing is how you have led throughout your career and continue to do that in the ways that you contribute and your passion and what you love and your enthusiasm. So thank you for all that you've done. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for being a part of our show today. And for all of our listeners, if you wouldn't mind giving us that five-star rating, we appreciate all that you do every day. Be well and keep making a difference. Take care.